Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning. It's time for the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. With Kern County's most listened to realtor and the host of our show, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide and our KNZR expert, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. Just Google the McCarty Group. That's M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. Or call 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? I don't know if you can tell from my voice. I feel a little stuffed up. You know, I'm kind of feeling that myself. It's crazy right now. My allergies, mm-hmm. out of whack. I can't mm-hmm. stand it, and it's just, ugh. ugh. I know. <laughs> I, I, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. The, the, the thing I've heard on the radio on our station here is the Navage commercial. Uh-huh. Do you have any experience I with do, that? I do, and it's awesome. Okay. I okay. just needed to hear somebody tell yep. me. Yep. <laughs> it's great. That's but awesome. but I got to tell you, you've got to do it consistently. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to invest in that too. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll sound nice and clear next time. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that it really affects the way I sound, but, oh. um, you know, I do have one nostril that constantly, <laughs> not that the world needs to hear that, but, you know. That's why God gave us two. I guess. That's, That's right. exactly right. <laughs> so other than that, how's your mor- morning going so far? Well, you know, it's off to a great start. I have a cold Diet Dr. Pepper in hand. I've got my favorite producer sitting across mm-hmm. from me, and I'm excited to talk about my favorite topic, real estate. So life is good. Hey, same here. I love being here, definitely. And I do see we have a guest on the schedule today. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with, and what are we chatting about? What's today's topic? Well, our guest this morning is Brett Swartz, founder and CEO of Capital Gains Tax Solutions. You know, besides being the CEO of Capital Gains Tax Solutions, Brett also hosts a podcast. And I want to pick his brain today Uh, all about deferred sales trusts. Many of you probably haven't heard this term, and and I have to admit, it was fairly new to me. But Brett is an expert on this subject, and I know he has a wealth of knowledge to share with us on this topic. But before I bring on Brett, I have a news story that I want to talk about. So the other day, I was scrolling through the news section of Google, like I do regularly, and I came across a headline that jumped out at me. The LA Times published an article with the headline, Costco wants to build a different kind of store in South LA with bulk housing. 
Hmm. I was like, okay, I had to click on it. You might be thinking with that headline that Costco is going to start selling manufactured homes in bulk, Hmm. right? However, that's not the case, and it's actually a lot more interesting. Costco is proposing to build a new store down in South L.A., and this store is going to bring with it a new feature we haven't seen at Costco's before, an apartment complex. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, so the new store is going to bring in 400 new jobs and add 800 apartment units to the community. So artist renderings for the proposed mixed-use project show the familiar Costco warehouse logo crowned with an apartment complex. The project would sit on a vacant five-acre lot that was previously home to View Park Community Hospital in Baldwin Village. It would be the first Costco in South L.A. Interesting. But uh-huh. <laughs> Wait a second. Huh. Apartments attached to a Costco building? Uh-huh. Now, I've heard about the Costco stores having a car wash. Right. But I've never heard of them having housing on site. Am I am I getting this right? Am I you sure are. Correctly? Yep, yep. <laughs> now, construction hasn't begun yet, and there are no applications filed with the city of Los Angeles to get this project started. However, it was officially announced earlier this year, and like I said, the renderings have been released. The developer was also quoted saying the following about the new development. The site would feature a state-of-the-art store featuring fresh produce and healthy food options for residents. The store would also include an optical service counter for eyeglasses, a pharmacy, and a delivery service. There's no word if the site would feature the traditional Costco food court. With Wait, wait, wait. If it doesn't have the food court... Mm, that, that'd be a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree, Adelaide. I feel like the draw of living connected to a Costco would be that you could waltz over whenever you wanted to grab a hot dog and a churro. Yes, right? yes, absolutely. And of course, the delicious and cheap pizza. Right. I mean, what's the fun of living next to a Costco if you can't get access to the beloved food court? Mm-hmm. Now, I do know housing in LA, though, isn't cheap. Um, do you know what the rent for these Costco apartments will be? Well, I don't know what the exact monthly rent would be, but I do know that out of the 800 apartments, 184 units will be for low-income tenants. The developer said the apartments would be marketed for affordable housing for seniors and low-income households. (laughs) Okay, okay. Now, I do have to ask, would you live in an apartment attached to a Costco? Hey, you know, it's no secret that Bob and I love Costco. <laughs> I mean, it's safe to say it's it's probably Bob's favorite store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we go there for gas and a lot of our groceries. But do I love it enough to want to live in a building that's attached to the store? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm sorry. Parking is always a nightmare at Costco. And I can't imagine going home and dealing with it every single day. Um, those LA folks don't seem to mind dealing with horrendous traffic, though. Um, you know, so maybe they wouldn't care about a busy parking lot. Um, I think I'll pass on living in a Costco apartment, though. You know what? If you work, if you work there... Well, hey, that is true. I mean, what about you? Do you think that you would live in a Costco apartment? You know what? If if I had, you know, if it came with a Costco membership and I could access the food court, (laughs) maybe take dates there. I don't know. I'm there. But but with that, I would definitely consider it. (laughs) Yes. um, But 
Interesting, huh? <laughs> that is a great story. So uh, moving on, though, we've got our guest. Are you ready to introduce him? Absolutely. Let's bring Brett to the mic. So, Brett, can you hear me? Lori, I'm here. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show today. Um, we are looking forward to hearing all of your expertise. Um, help our audience get to know you a little bit and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Lori. Yes, I grew up in uh, the Bay Area, Northern California, and I fell in love with real estate at a young age. My, my parents and my brother building houses and 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 having seen and watching my mom and dad own investment real estate over all the years, learning how to work hard and how to be an entrepreneur for my, my mom and my dad, and then had a good fortune to be able to go and continue um, learning more about real estate by studying and practicing uh, multifamily brokers at a place called Marcus and Millichap, um, where I help people buy and sell multifamily properties. And I started in 2006. And so some of the background was into real estate and then fell in love with something called um, a DST, that's a way to defer capital gains tax on the sale of highly appreciated primary homes and businesses and real estate. But it wasn't always easy. I started out um, in 06, but the market fell, fell apart in 08. Right. And partly because the uh, you know too much debt, not enough liquidity, and a lot of people doing lots of 1031 exchanges. Mm-hmm. And those put them in a tough spot. And so we learned about the DST as an alternative, and it helps a lot of people. So now we just coach and train people how to do it across the country. And and my wife and I have five kids. Um, we're from the Sacramento, Roseville area, and we also spend some time out in Florida. Um, if you know what I mean, fifty-one percent of the time, and uh, we, um, we, uh, we we help people uh, defer tax on a daily basis. Okay. And so, when you talk about a DST, when in the past, when I've heard DST, I always think of Delaware Statutory Trust. But in your terminology, you're really referring to a deferred sales trust, correct? Yes, that's our niche, but we also do, will do Delaware statutory trust. And the other way to think about it is that Delaware 1031 is part of the 1031 family, which is most people know 1031 exchanges, but they only work for investment real estate, whereas we have um, a deferred sales trust. We're experts in that, and that helps people defer capital gains tax on any appreciated asset, such as crypto or businesses or primary homes or investment real estate can save a failed 1031. So we call it the other DST, um, but sometimes we'll do a little bit of both. Sometimes it's half and half, depending on what the client's challenge is. Um, our, our, our goal is, as Capital Gains Tax Solutions is to lay out kind of the top, I think, say, five or seven solutions. And sometimes it's mixing and matching, and sometimes it's just one or the other. Uh, but ultimately just trying to help the client create and preserve more wealth, especially in tax California, which can be very painful. Absolutely. So it sounds like to me over at Capital Gains Tax Solutions, which you're the CEO and founder of, um, that you don't just focus on real estate, but all types of um, wealth building. That's correct. Yes. And so our, our, our key to that is partnering and strategically aligning with some of the best in the country, whether that be financial advisors, CPAs, multifamily syndication companies, uh, brokers. Um, and, and the key is, step one is obviously defining the challenge of tax. Step two is you know building a team to help you exit in a way that's in a tax-efficient or tax-deferred manner, sometimes eliminating a state tax. And then step three is having that investment team help, help to um, invest funds. And so it takes really all three um, legs, if you will, to form a solid base. And when you do that and you have the right people who understand exactly what you're trying to achieve, 
um, that unlocks the freedom um, to um, to create preserve more wealth. And so, yeah, that's 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 really our passion. But but our niche 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 is the deferred sales trust, and then we do the we can do the Delaware statutory trust. We can do ten thirty one exchanges. But we'll, we, we're not an accommodator. We'll, we'll have, we, have, we work with a group out of the Bay Area as our main accommodator. And then we work with financial advisors that provide the Delaware Statutory Trust. And then we provide what's called the trustee services for the Deferred Sales Trust. And that's, the, that's kind of um, to collectively building that community, building that network to make sure that people um, have a great plan on the exit. That's wonderful. That was a great introduction, Brett. Looking at the clock, it looks like it's time for us to take a short break. Uh, So when we return, I have a ton of questions to ask you about the Deferred Sales Trust. Sound like a plan? Perfect. Great. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be back in a minute after this short break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. Request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, and see the McCarty Group success stories. Ranked number eight in North America for Coldwell Banker last year, and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. The times we're living in are unparalleled, and it's affected all of us. It's made us feel uneasy and alone. Americans who need to sell their home or have to move and buy a new home are experiencing tremendous stress right now. And I know it's scary and overwhelming, but there is a solution. I'm fortunate to work with some of the top agents in America, agents who are going to tell you the truth, who will give you the best advice that's right for you. Right now, you need to work with an agent that can bring solutions for you. You have the help of somebody that can help you really make an informed decision. Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group at Caldwell Banker. You may want to take a cash offer or maybe it's time to upgrade your home and get it ready to sell in the summer. Maybe you should just hold tight and refinance. You do have options and you deserve to work with a great agent who does business with the highest integrity. Call Lori McCarty at 665-SOLD or online at themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. And we're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review. Here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And now back to our guest, Brent. And we did have a caller called in and they said they had a question for you, Brett. Why would a 1031 fail? You mentioned that earlier. It's a great question. So in a 1031 exchange, you have these kind of strict, strict guidelines. And part of that is a 45-day window to identify typically three properties or less, and 180 days to close. 
So um, it could fail for really two reasons. One, you didn't identify anything. Uh, number two, you didn't close within the time frame of 180 days of one of the properties that you identified. So those are just two ways it could fail. Another way it could fail is the funds never got to the qualified intermediary to begin with. You brought them into your personal account and you tried to turn around and send it to the qualified intermediary. You didn't set it up properly before the close of escrow. So you've really got to have a team of professionals and real estate agents who know exactly all the ins and outs to make sure that you're in a position to actually be in a deferral. Um, but that's part of why we, we, um, we work with the deferred sales trust just in case a deal doesn't work out. And I guess a couple other things too, you know, banks may not lend or a seller may not deal, or you might find a deal you thought was a great deal at 5 million, but then there's a million of deferred maintenance that you didn't know until you're under contract. Mm-hmm. And the seller knowing that you're in a 1031 is not willing to negotiate or give you as much as you want. And so when you feel trapped by that tax, um, you can either you know pay the tax and fail, or you can just close on that deal. But now we give you that other you know exit plan where you can you can get out of the ten thirty one entirely and not have to buy the deal that you didn't want to buy anyway, and defer that tax. And that's really the key with the deferred sales trust to be able to save that failing ten thirty one. Okay, okay. Because I'm thinking it's already a stressful situation doing a ten thirty one exchange. Um, what are the consequences if you don't have um, um, your system? And it fails. Uh, so if you don't have it, in California, for example, you, you have about 37 to up to 50% of the gain is going to be taxed, um, capital gains tax and depreciation and capture. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, we helped a, a client in Santa Cruz. Um, they sold about an $8 million asset, and their basis was zero. Um, and mm-hmm. they were looking at about you know, 2 and a half to $3 million taxable gain. So the consequence for that would have been about, you know, uh, 40% of their gain or even 40% of their profits being wiped out by capital gains tax. And so you really got to understand what's your adjusted basis, what you purchase it for, plus improvements, minus depreciation. Um, that's one number. And you got to understand what the price is going to be, right? And the difference between that is your gain, and then you're going to times that by basically 40% is a good number because you have 20% federal. 3.8% Obamacare tax, 133 for the state of California, and then um, add 2 to 3% for depreciation recapture. But you always want to go to your CPA and make sure you get that adjusted basis and get that number clarified because without that you know, number clarified, some people think it's less than that, and typically it's, it's you know, minimum 37 in California, but it could be as high as 50%. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, pretty intense. Wow. Um, so it, explain to the listeners so that, we have a good understanding um, the differences then between a deferred sales trust and the 1031 exchange. Great question. So we covered a little bit before, um, but I'll just kind of reiterate mm-hmm. that the 1031 exchange only works for investment real estate. Right. It does not work for cryptocurrency, a primary home, a business. It does not work for, you know, uh, captive insurance or, or public or private stock. We're working on a case right now for a, a potential client that has millions and millions and millions of dollars of Apple stock, right? And, and it's a public stock, and you cannot 1031 a public stock. So the first thing is just understanding that not all strategies work with all assets. Mm-hmm. And the deferred sales trust, we like to say, is like a Netflix version of the old Blockbuster 1031 because it's just so much more flexible. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, Lori, going on a Friday night and you're trying to get that movie, you got to return it within three days. And if you don't return in three days, you get a penalty. Right. And if you didn't rewind it, you get a penalty. And you maybe had to drive in the, in the rain or the snow or the heat, depending on where you're at. 
Well, then a thing came out called Netflix, and it became super flexible. And that's the second part of what the deferred sales system for 1031 is that it's flexible with timing. So you don't have to invest all of your proceeds into one asset within, you know, basically 180 days. And we call that the sell high, buy higher plan. And our parents mm-hmm. taught us the difference. They taught us to actually sell, uh, you know, to buy low and sell high, not buy low and, 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 then, um, and then buy higher 180 days later. It, it's not a great plan for, for people who, um, especially in California, like the 08 crash. And that's part of the story of we saw friends and family and clients lose half or everything. And the number one thing we identified where Marcus and Millichap is, hey, they overpaid for property and they had too much debt and not enough liquidity. The 1031 forces you to take on basically equal or greater debt as well. Mm-hmm. And guess where interest rates have gone? Well, they about doubled in the past year. So does it make sense to sell at a four cap and then borrow at, you know, 6%? Well, in the past, you could borrow at three and a half and maybe buy at a you know, four and a half cap. Um, but this whole cap rate to, to interest rate has been influx, which is negative arbitrage. The 1031 forces you to buy that deal that perhaps is overpriced. Whereas the deferred sales trust, we have to call it the safe harbor. You can sit in the bank. You can put it into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. You can put it into um, real estate at your own timing. In fact, one of our great deals we did for a client who sold a $2.6 million business in Alabama, and he deferred hundreds of thousands of tax, and he used a portion of it to help him build 70 multifamily units in Tennessee. All tax deferred. And he did it slowly over time. And when you understand the, the value of being able to uh, essentially kind of be your own bank in one, one scenario mm-hmm. um, and defer that tax and do it what's called optimal timing, you create a situation where you're actually really creating and preserving more wealth versus it all being all your eggs in one basket just in real estate. And so those are some of the main differences between the two. That's phenomenal. Now, is this deferred sales trust a new thing? Great question. It goes back 27 years, thousands of closes, billions and billions of, of assets sold, um, over 20 no-change IRS audits, um, including uh, multiple big audits in California. All no-change, no-finance, successful. So it's literally batting a 1,000. But it is new in the sense that most people get it confused with the DST, the other DST, the Delaware Statutory Trust. Number two, most real estate professionals and most 1031 companies don't want you to know about it. And it's actually a sad. Now, the elite do. The elite really serve their client at the highest level and look for all options to solve problems. And they don't just focus on, you know, doing 1031 exchanges. There's a lot of qualified intermediaries that are in the business of 1031. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a sad, it's a sad truth that even when I was at Marcus and Millichap, my first manager at the office, he said, go for it. Go solve people's problems. Go do more deals. Go unlock more listings by solving problems. Then he kind of uh, retired. The next guy came in and told me not to talk about it anymore. I said, why not? And he said, because we're in the business of 1031 exchanges. That's how we get paid. We don't get paid with the deferred sales trust. And so this became, you know, really the, this became like kind of like a tipping point for me to, to walk away from Marcus and Millichap because I wanted to provide my clients with alternative solutions to solve their problems, not just try to squeeze a square peg in a round hole. Um, but it is it is new for most people because not everyone also is exiting multi million dollar properties and assets every single week, you know. And there's five thousand qualified intermediaries companies across the country who are banging the drum of ten thirty one. And by the way, I love ten thirty one exchange. I'm a broker myself. We help people buy and sell multi million properties and luxury real estate. We do this all the time. But guess what? We use the hammer when the hammer is going to fit the client wants nailed. We use the screwdriver, the deferred sales trust, when they need something else that they need to, you know. Uh, accomplish something else. And the key is just matching 
and giving them options and helping them to match what is actually going to solve their freedoms. And that's the biggest thing with the deferred sales trust as we found, that it provides probably like 10 freedoms. Uh, and these 10 freedoms unlock transformation for themselves and their family and their legacy. And it gives them location freedom, time freedom, retirement freedom, entrepreneurial freedom, um, diversification freedom, estate tax freedom. And that's the part where sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. It sounds too good to be true. Um, and it, and, but it works. It works if you have the right team to help you execute. And that's, that's what we really focus on. That sounds amazing. Um, so um, my, my next question, I, I thought I saw something online about the California Franchise Tax Board issuing a memo regarding deferred sales trusts. Um, is the Franchise Tax Board on board with deferred uh, sales trusts being utilized in the state of California? I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, that memo came out a couple of years ago, and it comes up on every single deal. And by the way, we closed more deals in California than any other state. Mm-hmm. We've never had a single failed IRS audit. The most, the biggest deal is a $100 million deal in Southern California. That was audited, no change, no findings. But if you actually read the notice, um, and what you might be referring to is a blog post by a 1031 exchange blogger or 1031 okay. exchange company. And what's interesting is this kind of goes back to the point I made a minute ago, is that most 1031 exchange companies don't want you to know about anything that's tax deferral except ending in, ending uh, starting with 10, ending in 31. Right. And so this blogger took this notice and then noticed that installment-like structures, and it was particular for 1031 exchange companies in, in regards to what's called withholdings. And so it's very, very particular saying that, hey, if, if you are cooperating with installment-like structures... Um, and you're not withholding, we are going to start enforcing and we're going to be, we're going to be, um, you know, basically, you know, uh, saying that this is, this doesn't work for you to not withhold. And so on the very bottom of that, um, notice, you'll notice that it says, we, uh, basically recognize the federal doctrine of, of IRC 453, which is known as an installment sale, um, which is what the deferred sales trust is. It's a seller carry back, but it's coupled with the trust. And so in their own document, they recognize that. And so what the blogger did is they took this and they, they just uh, assumed or applied the deferred sales trust and like made like, it's called like the drive-by meeting. They're going 100 miles an hour and they're like, oh, here it is. Here's, here's what we're looking for, this notice. And, and so if you actually look at that, the federal tax law of 1031 is a federal law. The federal uh, tax law of the deferred sales trust is, is 453 mm-hmm. versus 1031, mm-hmm. right? And so this is federal. And so... It works every time. It has never not worked. So, um, and the Franchise Tax Board, um, you know, has this notice, and we always make sure we cooperate. And so this is part of the kind of the misinformation or the disinformation that's kind of out there. But in the meantime, we just closed a $17 million deal in Sacramento. The same notice came up. Uh, We did an $8.3 million deal in Palo Alto, a $13 million deal in San Diego. We just keep closing deals, but for most people, if they look at it, that might scare them off. But there's nothing to be afraid of. We also provide lifetime audit defense. So if and when the state of California or the federal federal government um, comes knocking, we have lifetime audit defense built in. And then number two, we also work on a conditional basis. Okay. So for whatever reason, you don't want to use the trust. We, we don't charge unless it closes. And this is part of the due diligence, and we're happy to kind of look, walk through what that is and what it's not. Okay, great. So with the deferred sales trusts, um, how are the payments structured? Can they be customized? Great question. Um, yes, it's very customizable, especially um, 
for clients that want, uh, you know, partial interest payments or, or fully amortizing loan payments over the uh, term of the trust. But generally speaking, most of our trusts look like this. It's a 10-year term, and every 10 years you can renew for 10 years, okay. and they're interest-only payments. The interest on the promissory note is typically somewhere between 6 and 8%, and it might be paying out 4 to 5%. Most people like to keep a little cushion between what it's earning and what they're receiving on any of the payments they receive, they'll pay ordinary income tax. They'll get a 1099 on the interest. If they get to the principal, they'll pay the capital gains tax. But we'll give you another deal we just did, uh, and that one was in uh, Chico, California. Um, and this actual client sold a couple properties, one in Oroville, one in Chico, for collectively about $3 million. He had zero basis, and he was going to pay about a million three in tax. Mm-hmm. And so um, he lived on a farm, and he had owned these properties for over 30 years, had no debt. And he's like, Brett, if you can help me defer this, this would be great. Can I just structure it with the $3 million to go into trust and we'll just live off the, you know, some of the interest, about 6 7%. So that's what we did. And what's cool is he has an extra $1.3 or so million dollars that's working for him at 0% interest charge to the government, as long as he doesn't dip into the principal, the three, and he lives off the interest that's accruing on the $3 million, And he plans to pass it on to his wife, should he pass away, and then on to the kids. And so it's a really great way. Think of it like an IRA on a 401k. And by the way, you might ask, well, why is the government even allowing this? It sounds like, you know, they're going to want their tax. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, if you think about it, they do get their tax. They get the tax on the payments out. They get the tax from the real estate commission. They get the new property tax from the buyer who buys it. Also, that seller now actually sells it. And, uh, you know, um, you know, the cash gets influxed influx to the stock market or to other real estate investments. And so it's the whole study of macroeconomics of why this thing actually works. This came around in the 1920s. The tax law goes way back to after the Depression, kind of that area, 1920s, 30s, where the government said, you know what? We can't always be the bank. In fact, if we are the only bank, this thing could fail in a big way. So we've got to encourage people who have assets to carry back paper right. in order to uh, get transaction and money moving. Same reason the 1031 works and why they allow it. So once you actually understand that the IRS is the biggest winner here, right. and and even California is the biggest winner, it actually becomes a home run. But most people kind of, you know, if they're looking at it on the on just the basis, they might miss that. Okay. Um, and so um, here's another question: Can you defer those payments if the property owner is wanting to avoid paying capital gains taxes in the current year? That's a good question. So the answer is yes. We typically would say the first one or two years, you, we, you can defer all payments. And then we like to see some kind of payments coming out. There's not a set like guideline here that says, hey, you have to take required minimum distributions or you have to take X amount by, by this time. But over the years, with all of the audits, there all been no change, no findings. We have found the best practice um, because it's not tax avoidance. It's definitely tax deferral. That within the first couple of years, you could probably, you know, do no payments out and just let the uh, interest accrue okay. and then start taking some payments in, say, like year two or so. That's the that's the kind of general guideline. So, yeah, there is some flexibility there, but we do need to start taking payments. We don't want to make an interest-only loan um, that has no payments, uh, you know, for 10 years. That, that to us is stepping over the bounds of the nature of, of what the government's really trying to provide for us. Okay. And are there some any constraints on how um, a deferred sales trust has to be organized? 
Yes, there is. So the, one of the biggest things that people have to get comfortable with is the third-party unrelated trustee, and that's, uh, that's one of the constraints. And that's our role at Capital Gains Tax Solutions. We are the third-party unrelated trustee for the DST, and we provide that trustee service. Um, the biggest question people want to know is, well, do funds get invested without my approval? And the answer is no. Do funds move without my approval? The answer is no. Um, and essentially, what kind of you know protections and controls are around this? And we have uh, we use third-party banks, typically TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, third-party financial advisors, and uh, we use uh, a lot of people that like to invest in real estate as well. So we have a lot of groups that help to you know manage and to places to invest the funds. And as the trustee, my role is to work with the note holder to 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 get the funds placed to pay them back over time. That's usually the first biggest one. Number two is we need to set it up prior to the close of escrow and prior to the buyer removing all contingencies. Um, and that's just uh, the law of constructive receipt, which basically states that if they provide, you know, basically receive the funds, um, even though the deal hasn't closed, um, it's too late for, for, for this type of strategy, unless it's 1031 eligible and they work with us and the QI company that we have our strategic alliance to make sure that we have it built into that exchange agreement. Um, so those are those are some of the things there that are kind of constraining. It's also not a demand note. It's important to understand that this is not like just putting money in the bank and you can just take it all out tomorrow on your own demand. It, it's something where you got to work with the trustee to structure payments inside of the promissory note. It doesn't mean we can't, um, you know, the trust can't be dissolved and payments paid out early. It's just it's just not something that you can unilaterally do. You'd have to work with me, the trustee. Now my role is a friendly trustee. The goal is not to. To, to, to stop certain things, but we want to make sure we're staying within the, the guidelines that are laid out um, and that everything is properly, you know, uh, disclosed up front and, and we're working together to, um, to get the payments back to you over time, if that makes sense. Okay, great. So when I hear you talk, um, and, and we're talking about stocks and crypto and million-dollar properties, it almost seems like oh, your programs are, are only for the very wealthy, um, so is there a, a minimum asset value that we should be looking at in order to utilize your services? We do have a minimum. The minimum is $1 million net proceeds and $1 million gain per transaction. Unless you have two assets at $500,000 each that can combine to get that million. The reason is we need to make sure that the pain, the pain being the tax from right. the gain, is large enough to justify all of what we're talking about. Number two, we work on a conditional basis, but we really want home runs for everybody. So no matter what state you're in, we found um, if you have that million and a million, this is in our game, and you qualify, and you can apply um, to use the Deferred Sales Trust. Now, have we done deals a little bit smaller than that? We have, um, especially in California. But generally speaking, um, we, we, we found that the key is that one million, one million. Okay. Perfect. Well, you know, that this has been a ton of great information, but I still have an awful lot of questions for you. I think this is a great place for us to take a short break. Uh, but before we do, can you tell us how we can reach you? Absolutely. You can go to CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. That's CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. You can also search on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Um, as well, we have a free ebook for any of the listeners. You can go to capitalgainstaxers.com to download our free ebook. And really, it's the nine steps to using the Deferred Sales Trust to close your real estate, your business, or cryptocurrency. Um, you can also check out the new book coming out, Building a Capital Gains Tax uh, Tax Exit Plan. 
And this is a book that we have with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank will be a part of the book and a number of other professionals. And it really explores how and where the deferred cell stress came from, um, my story, and also weaving in how this might work for you. Fantastic, Brett. So when we get back, I'm going to have a lot more questions for Brett. So please don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back. Hey, you confused about real estate? Sean Hannity here, and I can tell you as an active real estate investor, well, just like the stock market, it can go up one day and down the next. Home values and sales, they fluctuate on a dime. Now, even though I bought and sold homes for years all across this great country, one thing I will always do is partner with a sharp real estate agent that truly studies local and national market trends, that knows the real value of homes, and most importantly, knows how to generate demand regardless of the market. And the good news is you have a truly amazing agent right in your backyard. I'm talking about Lori McCarty of Coldwell Banker. She has an amazing team working for her that doesn't miss a single detail. Her system is so bulletproof, well, she can create demand for your home at a deadline that you agree to or she will buy it herself. Now, real estate doesn't have to be frustrating or scary. Call Lori McCarty today at 665-SOLD. That's 665-SOLD. Online, themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. Go there and you can start packing. You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning, we're talking with Brett Schwartz of Capital Gains Tax Solutions. And Brett, for those of our listeners that might have missed it, can you share your contact information with them one more time? Yes, Brett. It's, uh, you can email me, Brett at CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com, but you can also just go to CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. You can also call 916-886-2986. That's 916-886-2986. Great. So, Brett, um before the break, we were talking about uh, deferred sales trusts uh, or DSTs, and you know we we talked at the beginning of the show a little bit about uh, another DST, Delaware Statutory Trust. Uh, for those who might have missed it, uh, explain again the difference between Delaware Statutory Trusts, which we've talked about on previous shows, and deferred sales trusts, if you don't mind. 
Yes, and so if you remember the analogy, Blockbuster versus Netflix, that's really a great way to start. Because the Delaware 1031 or Delaware Statutory Trust is just a part of the Blockbuster 1031 family. Mm-hmm. Where if you have investment real estate, you qualify for a Delaware 1031 or Delaware Statutory Trust, where you can sell an investment real estate property, move it into a 1031 exchange accommodator, and then move it into a partial interest into a typically one, two, or three properties. Uh, which, by the way, they have some, definitely have some pros. We do these um, often. You know, to be large companies, um, they're passive investments. Um, you do need to be what's called an accredited investor, okay? So you've got to have the net worth to qualify for that or the income to qualify. And as well, um, they're great because you don't really have to do anything. I mean, they do all the toilets, trash, liability. They do it all. They have all of the uh, debt typically in their name, not in your name. So it's non-recourse to you. And they return around 5% or so, generally speaking. They're typically also great, you know, good, great properties or great tenants. Um, with first-class operators. Some of the downside, though, why we don't like it um, as much as the deferred self-trust in most cases is that you have no liquidity. You have no diversification. Um, you have no control. Uh, you're typically tied up for five, seven, or ten years. Um, you have huge fees, fees as much as you know, 15%. You put a million in, about 15% of that could be fees. So they can be very large fees depending on um, which deals you're in and who you're working with. Um, and But they do also solve uh, you know, the peaceful mailbox money. And so this is like, hey, I just want to be completely you know, you know, passive, completely you know, just simple, just show up and get my money. And then they also maintain what's called the stepped-up basis, which is, which, is, which is amazing, by the way. You get a stepped-up basis. You don't need a deferred sales trust, and your kids can inherit your assets at a stepped-up basis, which is a really powerful way to essentially uh, eliminate tax uh, if they sell it for the same price uh, upon your debt, um, which is cool. Um, now, uh, the other thing that it doesn't fall for is what's called a state tax. And so one of the biggest challenges facing the ultra-wealthy, which if you're worth more than $24 million married or $12 million single, you're subject to a 40% death tax, which has nothing to do with the stepped-up basis or capital gain tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the deferred sales trust, we have a 1.0 and a 2.0. The 2.0 um, eliminates the estate tax, which is really a powerful way to make sure you're preserving that wealth for the next generation without having to give it all of its charity, without having to buy a bunch of life insurance, and um, without having to have 50 kids. So it's a great way to exit highly appreciated assets in one day to eliminate a state tax. So the deferred sales trust on the other side, uh, for the Netflix version, remember it has optimal timing, it has diversification, it has liquidity options for the investments, um, it has income tax uh, uh, deferral for a period of time. We had a client, for example, who moved out of Palo Alto and moved to Nevada that's residency. Well, guess what? Nevada has no state income tax, so this was a great place for him that he was able to take an illiquid asset, his primary home, that was not cash-flowing, and move it into a cash-flowing-producing deferred sales trust, diversify his wealth, pay off all of his debt, uh, which was key for him, getting debt-free there because he had millions of debt on that same property, and then move to Nevada, buy a modest house, and have a retirement plan because a lot of our clients, a lot of people that are listening to the show, they feel real estate rich and cash-flow poor. 
Right. right. They feel like they're trapped in their houses and they want a solution to this, but they also don't want to have their capital tied up for the next 10 years with the Delaware deal. So these right. are all the nuances here that, that separate. But I'll pause there, Laura, if you have any questions on that. All right. Perfect. So here's a question for you. Can a, de- a deferred sales trust allow someone to defer capital gains taxes indefinitely? Good question. So uh, sort of. Uh, it depends uh, on, on the promissory notes and how often you renew those promissory notes. So we cannot create a promissory note that you know goes for 100 years, but we can create a commercially reasonable promissory note that goes for 10 years and has interest-only payments starting in about year two or so. Um, and, uh, and it's just interest-only payments there. Let's say it's a $10 million deal, has zero basis. And uh, what they would have paid $4 million of tax, what they can do is every 10 years, refinance, if you will, that promissory note, and and every 10 years we refinance it again. By the way, we can start with a five-year note or a three-year note or a two-year note, right? We don't have to be 10-year notes. If someone might say, well, if I like this thing for 10, well, let's start with three. Let's start with two. You can always pay your tax in a year or two or whatever. Um, but every 10 years you can renew, and then you can pass it to your kids via a living trust because the assets you own is the promissory note, and they okay. can continue to go, to go as well. So, um, so the answer is yes, in 10-year increments, um, and you do have to refinance it every 10 years. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, who is the DST not a good option for? Great question. So someone who wants to spend all their money right now, so on their primary home, on their boat, on travel, on just entertainment, just something where someone's like, you know what? I'm just ready to live and spend money on personal use, right? It's the same reason why you wouldn't do a 1031 exchange. You cannot 1031 into a primary home. You're just ready to spend and have some fun with your money. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but most people don't need or want all the money at all the money. Um, so that's where the deferred sales trust is a nice way to kind of, um, you know, slowly take payments out and or you can accelerate it in other years too and decelerate at different years. It's, it's flexible like that. Uh, so that's the first one. Um, so if you do, you need all of the money for a primary home, this is not a good fit. However, um, you might need some of the money for a primary home, right? So for example, the deal we did in Palo Alto, in order to buy a primary home, he took a large distribution up front, and then the remainder went to the deferred sales trust. So realize that you don't, you don't have to do 100% one or the other. We can work with you to customize the payment out to you that you can use, and you'll pay tax on that, and you can use for a down payment on the next house. So that's number one. Number two would be your deal is just too small. Right again, you're back to the part where you're like, it's not worth the trouble to do through all of these things with these new people and 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 new new trustees and fees and uh, fees are about 1.5 percent to set this thing up. By the way, and about 1.5 to 2 percent on a recurring basis. In case you're wondering, um, on the AUM or the or the, the net proceeds into the trust and the 1.5 percent one-time fees on the upfront you know gross sales price. Um, so you have to make sure that the ROI makes sense, and we, we go through that in detail with you. And that's why we have the minimums as well. Um, but those would be the two that I would say it's not a good fit for. Um, the other one would be perhaps you do have a perfect 1031 property and you don't mind, you know, buying a real estate. And you bought a good deal that we would tell you to do that 1031. We give you a high five because you found a good deal. So go for that. I think the next, next one would be you have some health concerns and, you know, you know, your life expectancy is not as long as you might think and you don't mind holding on to that asset to get a stepped-up basis for your kids. That can also be a good way, reason to, to not do the ESC. I think the last one would be just you're really charitable-minded. 
So you want to do a donor advised fund or charitable charitable major trust. Essentially, you want to basically give it all away to charity, and that's cool. You can do that, um, and, and that would be um, uh, the, the I think the top five people who would not use the DSP. Okay, great. Now, what if someone dies after selling a property and entering into a DST? Uh, where are those payments going to go, and who's responsible for the capital gains taxes for those payments? Great question. So what your asset is is a promissory note. So essentially what's happened here is the seller has become a lender to the trust. Ah. So they no longer own the asset, and they no longer own the trust, but their asset is the promissory note. So uh, let's say they were married. Um, typically, that payment stream would just go to the surviving spouse. Okay. Let's say they both die. Then that promissory note, if properly set up inside of a living trust, would pass to their heirs. And let's say they had four kids, and they might split it, you know, the payment 25%. And at that point, the kids step into their shoes, not a stepped-up basis, to step into their shoes. That's one of the downsides of the deferred sales trust. You don't get the stepped-up basis. Um, but they can continue to maintain the tax deferral, and they can continue to receive the income from the trust. Now, one one or two or all the kids might want to get out, and at that point, they're responsible for paying the capital gains tax in the given year's tax rate. So you've got to be aware of that. Right. Um, and so that, that's how that would work later. Okay. And how are the taxes determined for the installment payments? It's based upon your ordinary income tax rate. So... Okay. It's ordinary income. It's a 1099 INC for the interest payments that come out. And so that's the first thing. So you might be in a higher tax bracket right now. Like we have some entrepreneurs that are selling, um, you know, like the business deal. We just did a $17 million business deal. And guess what? Um, you know, he might be staying on for a couple of years while his income is still pretty high. But he's probably going to delay the payments for a couple of years until he stops working and then start the payments where his income drops lower. Also, he might move to Tennessee and start receiving payments there in a state that has, uh, you know, no income tax. But those are the type of strategies we work with. So it depends on your individual circumstance. You want to check with your CPA. But these are what we call tax engineering or like tax flow planning. Most people know about cash flow, but they don't focus on the tax flow. And that's part of what we help you to encourage you to have a mindset of tax flow and cash flow planning. So that's where the, that's where the interest is. And as far as the principle is concerned, it's based upon the, interest, uh, the capital gains tax rate in, the, in that state. It always follows you. So if you sell in California, for example, or New York, once you get into principal, you're going to pay New York and California. You're not going to get out of that. Um, but not until you get into principal, right? Number two, um, uh, the federal you know, capital gains tax will also be paid upon dipping into principal if and when you do that. And so that is how that would work. Okay, great. Now, I'm going to assume that uh, if someone's wanting to sell a property and entered into a uh, DST, uh, most of your clients are using you as the third-party trustee, correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. Uh, but aside from that, they could use their attorney, uh, CPA, et cetera, right? Just as long good as question. it's not so, a related person. Good, good, good question. So uh, two things. So the, the, the reason strategies like this have failed in the past mm-hmm. is precisely um, – the reason that someone chose a trustee and whether that be their brother-in-law, whether that be a former employee, whether that be their CPA, whether that be someone else that's not them, you know, or someone else that's not, even if it's not related to them, like a, you know, a sister or brother or whatever, or son or daughter, it, it, it creates what can call what's called constructive receipt. 
And number two, even if even if that CPA were not a third, uh, you know, did had had all did they have all the training? Did they have all the nuance? It's a proprietary structure that they're certified trustees. There's just a handful, and so that's where um, you have to ask yourself too: like, do we want somebody who hasn't done this and doesn't know all of the answers to a lot of these questions? Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, how we work with groups that want a a co-trustee, right? right? And you pay more, and there are ways to work work or work on that angle where um, we could we could add a CPA. In fact, we work with a CPA firm um, and a big one there in Central California, and it's been around for fifty plus years. That could be a co-trustee. So there are ways to 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 do that. I just would be careful about um, the person selecting that says this must be my only trustee. Um, and, and, and that being construed, what's called constructive receipt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we probably lean towards, um, maybe that CPA is a co-trustee and there's, there's truly a third party on the first line, if that makes sense, Lori. It makes complete and total sense. Um, so Brett, it's almost time for us to sign off, but I have one last question for you. Can a deferred sales trust be used when a business owner is selling a business? Absolutely. In fact, this is, to me, the number one uh, right in tandem with the primary home seller because they had no 1031 option. And so um, these business owners are selling uh, and they're looking for ways to diversify, mm-hmm. looking for ways to, 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 to defer, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of tax. And so what's amazing is deferred self-trust works for business owners, whether you're an S-corp or a C-corp or an LLC or you're separating a partnership, um, it works, you know. Um, it's an amazing way to defer that tax and to se- separate and go separate ways from partners, whereas a 1031 exchange does not work for a business. And so that's where, um, you know, 1031 Blockbuster and the Deferred Sales Trust is really, you know, a nice nice Netflix solution for, for sellers of businesses. Wonderful. Hey, and, and Brett, I have one more question going back to the, the 1031 exchange as well. Um, I'm thinking if you could, should you set this up as kind of a fail safe to the 1031 or is it it's totally separate, right? The deferred sales trust? Yeah, so we work with qualified intermediaries and if you contact us, we'll we'll work with you to to, to get it all set up. So the exchange accommodator has what's called an exchange agreement. And so we weave the deferred sales trust as an option inside of the deferred the, the exchange agreement to make sure that there's an option. But not every qualified intermediary either knows about this or wants you to know about it or will accommodate you. So be very careful that you choose wisely if you want to make sure you have all of your options open and not, not others. In fact, some of the companies we get called you know, every other week from someone who's in what I call 1031 jail. They find out about us, <laughs> they're running out of time, and I say, well, who's your qualified intermediary? And they say the name. And, I, and everyone, you know, it's like it's like a punch in the gut because they just won't accommodate, and mm. for all of the reasons that they have, and, you know, at the end of the day, that's their prerogative, that's their business. But we just want to make sure that you know people have all the options. So, so the answer is um, get with us early so we can make sure that you're in the right hands. Okay, start with you, and then and it takes away that that 180 days time frame, right? Well, well if you're going to do a 1031, you 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 still do that, and we're that backup plan. And okay. So, Yes, yeah, start with us. We'll, we'll work with the accommodator who works with us, and then we will make sure to weave in everything, and we'll keep track and have our transaction coordination team work with the QI. Basically, you're just adding another team member to that qualified intermediary. 
Now, if you do the 1031, you don't owe it. You don't owe us anything for the deferred sales trust. But just in case it goes to fail, we're right there to pick it up. Okay, okay. That's safety net, if you will. There you go. Okay, okay, sure. perfect. And then also, we learned that you're a podcaster. Where do we watch your podcast at? <laughs> yeah, so you can go to my YouTube channel, Capital Gains Tax Solutions YouTube channel, or also on iTunes, Spotify, and all the other ones. You can search Capital Gains Tax Solutions. We also have a second podcast called Expert CRE Secrets as well. Um, we kind of co-stream everything there, but that's also for commercial real estate professionals. Um, but yeah, so Capital Gains Tax Solutions, iTunes, or YouTube. Awesome. Thank you. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us this morning. You know, you have introduced a topic that I think uh, is probably new to most of our listeners, and I know that I sure learned a lot today. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, before we go, please tell our listeners one more time how they can reach you. Yes, thanks, Lori. Uh, you can go to CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com, and I'm happy to spend with myself and one of my team members one-on-one consultation with you via Zoom or phone call to see if the deferred self-trust can be a good fit for you and to go through the numbers and the details and um, really work with you to, to, to see if it could be a great match for everybody. So go to CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. That's CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Brett. We really do appreciate your time. So as always, a heartfelt thank you for tuning in today and for tuning in each and every week. Today we've introduced you to Deferred Sales Trust Expert, podcaster, and owner and CEO of Capital Gains Tax Solutions, Brett Swartz, and given you a ton of information on a 1031 exchange alternative, which we hope you found enlightening and informative. Be sure and tune in again next Saturday at 11 a.m. when we'll have another fun and exciting topic. I know Adelaide and I both look forward to visiting with you again then. As a quick reminder, you can revisit the details of today's topic or encourage someone who'd benefit from today's information by tuning in to an encore presentation of the show each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNZR just before Sean Hannity. Or you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts by searching the Kern County Real Estate Review, or you can listen to them on our website at themccartygroup.com. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a blessed day and a fantastic week ahead. You're listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week. Hi, Sebastian Gorka here with a hot real estate tip for you. Stay on top of the hottest trends every weekend when you tune in to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Laurie McCarty. Saturdays at 11 a.m. and Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR. 1560 a.m. and 97.7 FM.